Yeah, so do you have enough energy? We can do make this uh, bonus episode. Yeah, let me just uh, grab some drink and I'll be okay. right back. Welcome back to a bonus episode of Never Stay Dead. I'm here with my good buddy. Hello, Internet. It is I, the Matthew. Magical Matt on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) What made you decide to call yourself Magical Matt? Just a whim of the moment? Oh, there's actually a a story there. But (laughs) I wish I could change my Twitter handle. Um... (laughs) When I was in high school, uh, me and my friends were going back and forth trying to write um, dating ads for one another. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and my buddy landed on Magical Matt. <laughs> It'll make your dreams come true or something uh, like that. <laughs> and I just thought it was hilarious. So I ran with that for my screen name for a few years. And like any good screen name, you wish you could delete it after a few years. Yes. But, uh... But so it's yeah. your at, at name on Twitter, so you can't really get rid Pretty of it. Pretty much. It's funny, though. I really like Wednesday Serial. I still think that's ingeniously clever, uh-huh. even though I don't think... It anyone... is very clever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, today, or now, now we're going to talk about... Why you named yourself movie... Sleepy Reader? Why did I call myself Sleepy Reader? Yeah. Because, as you'll soon find out, I was uh, just recovering from my daughter's uh, infant days, where well, maybe you'll be lucky and your your future son or daughter won't will be able to sleep. No, but I got very little sleep for a couple of years, and so I felt very sorry for myself, and I called myself Sleepy Reader. Okay. And then YouTube insisted that there was already a Sleepy Reader, so I added six 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 at the end. Because people have always bugged me about the number 666 from the movie The Omen, where the character Damien had those numbers on his forehead, apparently. So I always, I absorbed that Omen Damien character into my persona, even though I've never seen the movie. So Sleepy Reader 666 was born on YouTube. Um, But I'm pretty happy with that name. I I haven't got tired of it yet. Now I will always think of sexual prowess when I hear the name Magical Matt or see the name Magical Matt on Twitter. Um, perhaps that's not what your friends meant by it. Meant by it. <laughs> I, um, I like that, though. <laughs> we're really off subject already. The subject tonight is Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. Is that the correct title? No, Which, Spider-Man Into the, it's into the Spider-Verse. Is... Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I just saw, so I should get the title correct. I saw that about six hours ago now and i was kind of blown away especially by the animation Um, yeah um maybe the best animated movie i've ever seen Uh, it's hard to totally compare things but so i mean yeah i mean people like what they like um this was really impressive cgi animation they did a lot of daring things it's the as far as animation goes since we're in an age of pixar being brilliant but kind of set predictable yeah kind of set and uh, not really pushing animation forward anymore and us not getting studio or funding to do a lot of stuff for a big release like this especially american side 
um, seeing something kind of daring like this is pretty interesting. And it's kind of interesting that it's coming from a Marvel Marvel. studio. Or Sony's version of Marvel, isn't it? Right. And so it's from a studio that's only done a handful of other movies like Hotel Transylvania. But, um, uh huh. Oh, wow. That's the same group. Okay. Because this is just way. Watching this, I was like, why didn't anyone else think to do animation this way? They they just mixed in the styles and it worked wonderfully. Mm-hmm. They were inspired by the idea of multiple comic book styles, too, with the multiple Spider Man characters, but it was just pretty amazing. Um, and I think it's incredible. I just do want to say really quickly that I've seen some people saying this had to be the most like grueling, laborious, like kind of animation done to date. And no, it's nowhere. Grueling close. for the animators or grueling for the viewers? Do they? Uh, for the animators, like the most oh, okay. put into it. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure a lot went into this movie and whatnot, but I don't think any movie will ever be able to top the detail and precision that went into Akira. Like, I, I just uh-huh. don't think that we're ever going to get that again right um but that's not to take anything away from this movie at all just a yeah. little animation well, point and i really i i have no way of judging um i don't, I don't think anyway. it matters you liked it right uh, right <laughs> yeah and i haven't i saw akira a long time ago and i remember being very impressed by its animation but i don't feel ready to compare the two i've also been in, very impressed by a number of uh uh, Miyazaki movies um, sure. have incredible animation. Yeah, but <laughs> this, so yeah, it's not, you can't really say one movie is the greatest animated movie ever. But this one like took animation in a in all kinds of directions I was not expecting, and was extremely exciting. I one of my takeaways <laughs> after I walked out of the movie, I actually thought, I don't know if I can read a comic book after this. <laughs> It normally I see an animated movie, especially about superheroes, you know, like those direct to DVD movies. And I'm like, whoa, yeah, I'd much rather read a comic book. Yeah. But after Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I was like, oh, OK, this this is going to make most superhero comics look rather, rather empty. Really? <laughs> huh. Yeah. I guess I don't. Huh. That's weird. So uh, you've accessed comics in a different way than I did because you're born in a different age. Well, yeah, there's. I mean, that. because you're so much younger. Um, uh, <laughs> yes, and in my youth, which was so recent compared to yours. Uh, I, as a comic book fan, I think you had to focus more on the art. The the you've grown right. up in an era where the writing. Not that the art's not important at all, because art's very important, but the writing has become much stronger. Well, and what I was going to say, I wasn't trying to call you old, just um, when I uh, was coming into comics originally, and Spider-Man in particular, I first saw Spider-Man through the 90s cartoon. Uh And so, I, I mean, the animation isn't exactly comparable, though there were CGI elements early and mixing of hand animation. I'm just proud of that because a company my mom worked for actually had a hand in that. Um, oh, cool. But I, I saw Spider-Man as, you know, in motion as a cartoon first right. before I read it in the comics and found myself more drawn to the comics ultimately. Not that mm-hmm. I don't still like that cartoon. Uh, so, But you, well, I think what I'm talking about is usually when I read a superhero comic, 
there's like even just looking at the faces they're more powerful in the comic book than in the animation okay yeah because they usually this movie it really it came alive to me but in an artistic colorful comic booky way as opposed to watching a live action movie where obviously the faces are very detailed and have a you know a lot of if the there's a good actor involved a lot of interesting things going on Mm -hmm. but but from because I connect with the artistic side of comics a lot, mm. and this movie really connected to just visual pizzazz and fullness. The screen was full of visual stuff. It, it oh, wasn't yeah. a lot of empty empty screen the way you might see, you know, in just some movie they make about the Hulk or Batman and and put directly to video. No, there's all kinds of crazy Easter eggs. There's moments of like dis- different artistic styles kind of like popping oh, yeah. through. Uh, there's there's weird tinges on different lines that I don't know if they were trying to get to. Some- like there is one, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was one moment where it's like, are they making a, uh, I don't want to say dig, but like reference to like some oddity of Dicko's stuff to inspire, like there's a lot of little little yeah. moments in there that you'd almost need a like education of Spider-Man lore to like right. access. And I have to watch it again sometime to get into all that. Yeah. In fact, I hope that there's I don't know if they do this so much anymore. I hope there's one of those audio tracks on the DVD with people talking, maybe the animator designers of the animation talking about all the I'm sure there'll be a commentary track when it comes out on this. That's going to be fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm I trying to think of all the things I noticed because it was overwhelming. One very strong thing was that uh, the Kingpin seemed to be the Bill Sankevich version of Kingpin. Oh, you already picked uh, up on one of the more obscure parts that most people don't oh, know about. to me that yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. I even thought I felt saw stuff like bits of Samurai Jack and all kinds of things thrown in all over the place. You know, it was... But but it also didn't. It felt like everything worked, despite the drawing on so many different styles. It felt like everything worked to me. I the one major complaint I have that other people have that I I understand, but I still think is a little odd is that this movie. For those who haven't seen it, go see it. Um, this movie focuses on Miles, Gwen, and a version. Of Peter Parker, right? A very the Peter Parker was the least familiar. Well, actually, I'm not very familiar with Miles, but I mean, it didn't feel at all like my Peter Parker. But it didn't have to as the plot unfolded, right? And it's not supposed to be our Peter. Like it's distinctly not right. supposed to be our Peter Parker, which is almost more of the fun, I guess. But yeah, yeah, especially as it evolves and. Mm. I, if I had any complaint about the movie, it was the guy who voiced Peter Parker. Oh, really? He just felt too dopey. Like, well, I feel like Peter Parker is sharp, zingy. But they wanted that version of Peter Parker to be kind of dopey because he was the schlub. Um, this version of Peter Parker arrives with uh, sweatpants over his uh, right. costume and like has Peter a Parker who's belly. Defeated by the failure of his marriage to Mary Jane. Right. And but but all, even the the Parker of of Miles's world in this movie, who was blonde, had the same schlubby voice. No, that was voiced by course, Chris Pine. It, it was a different person. Yeah, 
Oh, really? I didn't know. I thought they he spent so little time with it. I was also really mad they yeah. didn't call him Ben. Oh, you wanted him not to be Peter Parker, no. but Ben Parker. Well, I wanted him to be Ben Parker because he was blonde and then he died. And they could have really messed with some people at first to say, like, Spider-Man is Ben and not Peter. And it would have thrown some people through a loop enough to, I think it would have helped shock some people who are less familiar with mm-hmm. all the ins and outs to just say, like, Peter Parker isn't necessarily Spider-Man. And then they kill him and then they should, like, it could have really shock some people into like maybe appreciating some stuff a little more that i've seen online of people having some detractions but um i i guess that what i was going to get to is my complaint was that there's a few other spider characters in this movie that essentially are sight gags with like one or two lines and I get why. By spider characters, do you mean the variations on Spider-Man? Right, or so like Spider-Ham, from... Spider-Man Noir, um, the um, Spider, the mech uh, Asian girl. So was she a real thing that's been in comics before? Because I was not familiar with her. Yeah, she's from, I guess now, two issues. One was Edge of the Spider-Verse and one was Edge of Spider-Geddon or however they label uh-huh. that. Um yeah, every one of these has been in something before. So, like, Spider-Ham's been around. Spider-Man Noir's had a chunk of comics. Um, yeah. The, another amazing thing about this movie, I mean, there's many amazing things, was that it incorporates spider lore from very recently and from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Almost every other Marvel-based movie, you could have only read, you could have read Marvel from... 62 to 72 and and made those movies and this is the first one that i've seen because i haven't seen them all that really required or the people who wrote it and directed it and animated it were aware of everything up to you know very recent spider developments like spider gwen and all that yeah and of course miles morales himself is relatively recent and that's something I want to ask you about, because I'm assuming you haven't read any comics with Miles before. I may have read one comic. So, like, not really. Right, not really. And I've heard about Miles and just didn't care, because in my old foginess, I really only want to read Ditko and Romita Spider-Man, and I'm <laughs> a little beyond that. But other than that, I, so this movie was a great way of overcoming my hesitation to dive into I would definitely watch another Miles Morales animated movie now. And I, I, if someone told me, yeah, that there's a really great run of Miles Morales, that if you like the movie, you'd like the run, I would probably read that. Well, boy, do I have good news for you. They uh-huh. just started a run called Miles Morales Spider-Man in the uh, legacy of Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Um, so the Spider-Man named like that book is Miles' mm-hmm. now. And it's only two issues in, but you should totally check it out. Okay. There, should we do a podcast about it? If you want, we can, though I'd want to give it a couple months till the story arc's done to talk about it on that level. But, uh, or more importantly, to talk about it again, because I just did oh, you something just else. Did. Uh, yeah, but Sorry, I haven't been... Well, you, has, have you already released well, are that you a patron? on Untold Tales? Because if, you're, sorry, not, I'm not a patron. if you're not a patron sorry, of the uh, Spider-Man podcast I'm on, you wouldn't hear it so i the horrible truth is every time i listen to that other podcast that you have the gall to be doing (laughs) i enjoy it (laughs) 
but I can only listen. I, I I can only bring myself to listen about Spider Man maybe once or twice a month. I don't. Not as often. I understand. As I I only listen to you. I mean, so you often guys do too. an excellent job. Actually, you, you guys are becoming more and more a great team together. Hopefully, behind the scenes, you don't hate each other's guts and steal each other's. Oh, Kane's the worst. But. I <laughs> um I know he doesn't listen to this, so I'm fine. Uh, well, so that's fine, yeah. I know. I, it's not the rapport I have. Well, you're with probably you, carrying the whole show, but it's hard to tell as a outsider. Oh God, he that. does all the work. I can't. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, so, what was your reaction so, to this? Since you know way more Spider lore from the whole uh, gamut of of Spider Man's history than I do. So, I mean, how do I put this? I so. If I was in a different circle than I was a few years ago, I would be the person I knew that liked this movie the most. Um, but because I'm in this Spider-Man circle of people, um, and one of the people... Through the podcast, or, yeah, or is there another one circle? Yeah, one of... I, how do I say this? Uh, the guy who runs the parent Spider-Man podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk, Dan Kavazdan did this yeah. um, breakdown of all the Easter eggs, or at least all the ones he caught, of throughout this movie that became the longest piece ever written for The Hollywood Reporter, I believe. Oh, he did it in print, or write, or yeah, in text. I'll have to look for that. Then. Um, but, um, so, I mean, he's a bigger Spider-Man fan than I'll ever be. And, I mean, he loved this movie unabashedly on a level that I can't access anymore with my jaded, cynical view of the world. So, I I don't know. Like, I really like this movie. I think it's the best movie that's had Marvel's, you know, name on it. Right. Um, but there's, there's a few factors. Like, some people are saying, like, this is the best animated movie I've ever seen. I'm like... I, a, it's not my favorite animated movie I've ever seen, partially because I love anime and there's a lot of great stuff out there that uh-huh. I probably like a little more than this. Um, but more importantly for me, I caught this. Did you say it's the best um, America Hollywood based animated movie you've ever seen? Ooh, Hollywood based might tip that. So, sure. But <laughs> <laughs> what, t- what makes this funny for me is that this Spider-Verse thing is like a multiverse of Spider-Man coming together and, you know, doing whatever. It's really an excuse for that. There's a very similar film that holds a place in my heart that is called Turtles Forever, which is the 2003 cartoon Ninja Turtles, meaning the 89 cartoon Ninja Turtles. And then they interact with an animated version of the original Mirage Ninja Turtles eventually. And oh, cool. it's it's like this idea, but it was done way earlier and hits more for me. So do you, it's, I'm guessing then that that, movie was an inspiration to this movie but most people don't know that that's the thing though is nobody knows about this turtle forever thing to the point where i'm sure some people working on the spider-verse project knew about it but was it an inspiration for it i don't know because this movie is clearly based off the spider-verse event that happened a la penned by dan slot because uh, when they did Spider Again, they gave Dan Slott top billing for doing Spider Verse, which is insane. Huh. Like you give. I didn't see Dan Slott's name in the movie credits. I saw Bendis and some other people. Maybe he was in there Slott. somewhere. I know. Okay. Maybe it wasn't as high as Bendis because when they started production of this movie, Bendis was in charge of uh, Marvel 
Bendis was on Miles Morales's list of phone contacts. Well, and Bendis is Miles' creator, so there's right. a big tie there too. Um, this is not this is not a plot that appeared, I assume, in Ultimate Spider-Man when Bendis was writing. Well, so most of it is because it's Miles's origin and the ties to the Prowler and all that. Like, oh, is his is his uncle the Prowler in the Bendis? Yeah origin okay so i've I've not read any of the bendis i think i i read one or two issues of miles morales once he was already in our universe but so i haven't read any of the ultimate universe for yeah and i i think miles so i like miles now and a huge part part, you know this Uh movie i like the recent comics the problem with Miles's ultimate stuff is that it starts with reacting so much to the death of that Peter Parker. Right. Um, that by the time, how do I put this? I love Ultimate Spider-Man, like the Peter Parker, Bendis, Bagley stuff, the hundred uh-huh. plus issue run. But I think the first six issues are the most boring because I know he's going to be Spider-Man and and they they stretched it out six issues. Well, like it's that. really six. It's really like seven or eight before he's really <laughs> Spider Man, really yeah. swinging around and doing stuff. So it's just kind of like get there. Um, yeah, I mean they're good comics. You can blow through them because it's Bendis. It's a lot of dialogue. Right. You read it fast. Um, well, I can read them on Marvel Unlimited if if uh, I ever had the time. Right. Maybe that's an idea. Um, with Miles, Miles is tied to the death of Peter Parker. He's first introduced in this ultimate fallout issue, which is them coming off of Ultimatum or whatever. And I just uh-huh. <laughs> like his his introduction is wrapped up in with so much stuff that doesn't have to do with him or bringing him in. And there's so much with them needing to justify this new Spider-Man. So there's so much legacy stuff that was carried forward with that Mary Jane, that Aunt May, that J. Jonah Jameson, that informs Miles that Miles doesn't really get to breathe and be on his own. By the time you have Miles in the Spider-Man costume being Spider-Man with any amount of status quo established, you're about a year plus into Miles comics. So it's this, Whereas in this movie, we're plunged into Miles' life. It's so much stronger. So we we really care about Miles in a way that I never expected to. Um, and Miles is so much more charming in this. Do, so is that whole thing about him going to this odd boarding school or whatever it is? That's a bigger part of it, yeah. Uh-huh. But I think it's played really well here. And the other part I really like is that Miles is... I mean, black and Latino, but in the comic, it's lip service to the Latino stuff in the movie. It fits. It feels real. Yeah. 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 And um, I mean, it was also like it was an amazing portrayal of New York City. And I guess it must have been a combination. must have been like rotoscoping, you know, that old animation some technique. here's the thing i think you're right for some of it but not, like they were using so many right. they were using every trick in they the mixed bag. so many techniques but they really captured like a crazy crowded new york that i have actually experienced when i walked down the streets of new york when i was a kid um because i used to visit new york a lot when i was a kid not so much now because i live on the wrong coast but uh <laughs> yeah i mean it, that somehow that when you mentioned we started talking about that just like Man, just things came alive in a way that not that many comic books bring these things alive. Yeah, no, I agree. 
there, there's so much in the animation style that makes it feel like do you remember they're trying to do the moving comic book stuff? Like they'd like do moving Watchmen. Yes, or I remember that. I looked at the one for Watchmen and for something else. Yeah, they did a hand, and it just sucked. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anyone it, who liked it. Yeah, yeah, it was a big failure of a experiment. Yeah, but this felt like a comic book and animation. Like there's so much of the comic book style there, but it was moving, and there's all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And the, everything was just, all the details were fitted in. And I do have to admit, the movie and maybe the music combined with it, the pace was a little, maybe because I'm old, it was a little too fast. And I got a bit of a headache, even though I was enjoying it. I wished it, when it when it, it's slow moments actually felt too slow, but it's fast moments felt, I just wanted a little more time to take it in before the next thing slammed on me. Yeah, they're definitely like they're fitting stuff within frames at point, and yeah. it's. I want. I also wonder. Um, God, there was a warning to people who were whose brains get bothered by fast flashing lights not to watch this movie at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, no, I believe it. Because um, most, I'm glad I didn't watch it in 3D. I don't think I could have taken that. Most movies run at what like uh 30 frames a second right that's uh the the traditional film is 30 frames a second. but with this being cgi animation i'm wondering if they're running faster but i'm like wondering how much they fit in a frame a second because there is more visual information moving like oh this is a reach but i um are, are you familiar with satoshi Kon? i'm afraid i'm not he's he's an anime director who only did a handful of films before he died but he did all these anime films that were some of them were fairly fantastic but in some ways they focused on some more banal slice of life kind of stuff Uh but there's this really short film he did that's just this girl waking up in her apartment that's just cluttered but the in a way it was this point to animation where you can fit more visual anime more visual information in a few frames of animation than you can in a live action shot. So when it ends up being displayed to the person watching, they can actually intake an action like someone reaching for a toothbrush or someone getting up in only a handful of seconds. Whereas in live action, you're going to take more time to do that. Otherwise it's going to feel weird. Right. They were taking full Well, I think I took most of it in, but it gave me a headache at times. (laughs) Well, you just gotta smoke a bowl before you watch the animation, (laughs) man. Well, if that's your expert opinion, I'll have to follow it. It's what you do for Pink Floyd, right? Especially at, uh, what is it? I forget what they're called. The Pink Floyd laser show at the... The Planetarium. Planetarium. That's I should do that. <laughs> I so I'm curious what you thought about Gwen in this movie because the way they handled her was probably the most odd to me. Well, I haven't read any Spider Gwen at all. I mean, I I think she's popped up in a comic or two I've read, but you know, not not one of her comics. So I just know, you know, I know the facts that were then laid out in this movie that were facts I already knew, but. Mm. I did not know. Is she in the, her regular comic a a high school student? Uh, yeah, but they don't focus on that 
areas much, or at least she, yeah, I mean, of course she was, but I think she's a little more university by the, most of the time. Now I'm struggling to remember. And everything, everybody in this movie was not exactly the same as they were, were in comics. Maybe Miles was, but certainly the two Peter Parkers we got are not the same. Right. And uh, I don't even know. Spider-Ham was really the same. Spider-Ham. I mean, but. it's Spider-Ham, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Spider's a little different. And, the robot was a little And different. I don't know the Spider-Man noir guy. I did feel after watching this that I would like spin-off movies for each of those spider characters. I'd probably like him except for uh, Spider-Man noir. That's the only one I don't uh, Maybe a Spider-Man noir comic book would be fun, like a six-issue mini or something. They've done two four-issue minis and a couple one-shots, really? huh. or maybe only one one-shot. Were they any good? Did you read them? They're okay. I'm not. Look. I'm not a fan of the Marvel noir line as a whole. Um, I think the only ones that really worked were um, Punisher and uh, Luke Cage. See, I wasn't even aware of a Marvel noir line. I knew of you know the Batman noir comics, but the, yeah, the noir line in Marvel is like putting them in that you know Depression era bit, but it's really a but it's a series of four issue minis and i think mm. spider-man's the only one that got any play after a mini and maybe this that that response that i want to see movies or comics with all of those characters is probably just excitement in the moment because they probably most of them worked because they were all mixed together well we'll see and played off of each other and some of them were basically comic relief like spider-man noir and spider ham of course right I don't know if I'd want a Spider-Ham special. Uh-huh. But if someone could make a, a, a good anime type movie about that girl with her spider robot, I would be interested. But it could all turn bad. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Any one of these ideas could sink or swim, but it's going to depend on the script and the execution yeah. more than whether or not the idea is solid. So, Have you watched this more than once? No. Because I, I, sometimes you watch something and it just seems amazing the first time and then you watch it again and you notice the chinks and everything. So, so at the moment, you know, having seen it six hours ago, I'm just on a buzz from how exciting it was. But I might might not feel the same way the next time I see it, I don't know, or the third or fourth time I see it, if, if I buy a copy. Maybe. I mean, I yeah, I don't know about all that necessarily but i mean like i really like this movie i know i like it i know i like it more than a live action spider-man movie Mm -hmm. definitively and i mean so if you only notice chinks on your third or fourth viewing i don't know it's right it's almost a different thing i wasn't a big fan of the portrayal of the father and the uncle but it was just a small complaint they just seemed like cliched macho black men from hollywood style huh i like the father at least but uh i mean it was there were cool aspects to the father but i don't know like miles did not seem like your cliched african-american teenager from hollywood but i don't know the older men did to me right the one thing i'm sad about is uh the last live action movie of spider-man kind of stole genki from miles uh genki's his buddy but they made the roommate yeah they made 
in this movie. Yeah, they made they named him Ned, but he's Genki, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it, it, that's a weird, that's a weird twist that they pulled. In the Ultimate Universe, is is Doc Ock a woman? I mean, I think there is one. There have been many. Uh-huh. Um, and then in Spider Verse, if you had said they make Doc Ock a woman, I would have said, "Oh, that's a bad idea." But actually, I really liked this woman as Doc Ock, the way they portrayed her in this movie. Yeah, I think that version is pretty unique to this, though. There was a female Doctor Octopus in Spider in the Spider Verse comics and Web Warriors. Uh-huh. Um, but that's because for each Spider Man, there is a Doctor Octopus. But there's one world uh-huh. where there's this like plump female Dr. Octopus who's good. And then the Spider-Man's bad. And then, so she joins the Spider-Man and this multiversal thing. But I, I think they were just looking for a way to do villains differently and maybe mix it up. And how about Osborne as some kind of gargoyle, like giant creature. Is that from anything in the comics? Or that's, did they just make that up for the movie? That's pretty directly ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. See, I just, yeah. I never really read any Ultimate Spider-Man. I, I read Ultimate Fantastic Four and the Ultimates. I don't know why. Oof. I just didn't even try Spider-Man. See, the, the, well, I thought Ultimate Fantastic Four was really interesting. Though I think it's I also it, the most divergent from the original It was property. very divergent, yeah. Uh, but I feel Ultimate Spider-Man is interesting, but it's popcorn. Like, you can burn through six issues like that. And so to read any of it and get any feel for it, you kind of have to churn through a few trades worth well in general the whole ultimate line at least when it started was very much in the era of decompression Mm -hmm. um it was very embraced by all the ones i read i did not read ultimate x-men either so ultimate x-men is like half of oh no i read one volume of the ultimate x-men like the trade or something i think ultimate x-men is maybe one of the stronger ultimate takes if you will because Oh really? Well, because I I feel X. I just can't remember what I read about it at the time. But. I feel X Men is the most impenetrable um, lore of comics outside of the Legion of Superheroes. True, true. And Ultimate X Men boiled it down to its core and got to play and have fun with it in a way that worked in a way that they need to do with X Men proper. Like they have, they need to go back to basics with that book for a decade. Every time they promise to go back yeah. to basics. They introduce way too much nonsense, and it's impossible to follow again. And so, I thought the Ultimate X Men was a good, uh-huh. good beat on it. Well, for a while, I mean, everything I did read in the Ultimate line seemed really good, and then suddenly it stopped being good. But it, it was a yeah. good experiment at first to um, simplify the Marvel universe. Even though, in some cases, perhaps in the Fantastic Four, they unnecessarily change things too much, but. I still enjoyed it. I think, yeah, no, I think Ultimate Fantastic Four is great up until you get to that event where they made Reed Richards evil. Is that what you're going to say? Like, super evil. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think what happened, I mean, now we're getting way off the topic, but I think what happened is after the Ultimate line was so successful they started absorbing some of those techniques back into the regular line and it water the ultimate line lost its centrality. Yeah. It it fractured after all, though it's interesting now that ultimate's dead and forgotten. Uh, the holdovers are miles. 
Right. Who's finally, I mean, he's been brought over to Marvel proper for a while, but I feel like he's finally getting his full mm-hmm. thrust uh, with this new book. And not just a weird continuation. They really should have had anyone but Bendis right. do it when they brought him over separately. Well, I had the impression at the time the only reason he survived is because Bendis was the 800-pound gorilla at Marvel, so he wanted him to survive. I think Ultimate Spider-Man was also outselling other stuff, so it made sense to pull it through. Oh, okay. Um, I thought maybe it had petered out, too. Ha, I get it. Ah, I didn't even mean <laughs> it, but yes. Pun not intended, but now I will embrace it. And the other holdover was the uh, the Reed Richards of the Ultimate Universe, which just showed up in Venom. And one of the tall oh, he did okay. One of the weird telltale signs uh, that was pointed out to me was that that Reed Richards uses the Ultimate font, <laughs> which is a nice subtle little. That is kind of clever. So, are you still enjoying Venom? The Donny Cates Venom? Uh, this last issue, I think, was a little too dark, but I'll keep going for now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've liked what I've read by Donny Cates, but I'm not in a rush right now to read more. I, I'm sort of waiting and seeing, I guess. I'll, I'll read him on the rebound, so to speak, either on Alt- Unlimited or in trades or something. Yeah, I'd push you to read the Miles Morales comics long before Venom. Oh, yeah. The, you mean the new Miles Morales? Yeah. Or do you think I should go back to oh, when no, no. he first showed up in Ultimate? Just pick up, just pick up these last two issues. And... and is it just called Miles Morales Spider-Man, yep. or does it have another title? Just Miles Morales Spider-Man. Well, it'll be interesting to see if this movie, because I don't know if this movie is a big hit or not, if it will influence further attempts at uh, Let's see. more risk-taking animated movies of marvel it just hit a sales number that was somewhat significant that was somewhat bolstered by the fact that it just won a golden globe i believe for best animated Uh. film i think it's pulled in a couple other awards and so as far as animated films and whatnot like it's doing all right but it's not doing like marvel movie numbers so right but sony already said they greenlit uh some stuff coming off of it Uh uh-huh so it's viewed as a relative success to sony how those follow-ups are perceived because i believe one's supposed to be like a cartoon like you know syndicated for whatever and you know it's not gonna have the same they're not gonna put that kind of money into a yeah ongoing cartoon uh the other thought i had was poor dc they should have done a movie like this a long time ago (laughs) I mean, they did. Because they're the multiverse people. They did. That's something that I find fascinating. Nobody talks about all the animated movies DC's been pumping out for years now. There's like right, 50 but none of, of them. the ones I've seen are impressive like this one. I mean, so it's all sometimes the they're well written, but their animation stuff. is cheap. I don't know if it's cheap, but it, it's the hand drawn like Timmyverse stuff with maybe a bit more budget than what he got for a single episode of uh, stuff in the nineties. The ones I've seen don't even look as good as as the Tim series. It's like what I don't know. Batman animated and um and ultimate not ultimate Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, well, I, uh, I mean, I think they. I, I prefer those to the direct movies that I've seen so far, but I haven't like watched a ton of them, just some of them. But they did. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but they did the Justice League versus the uh, 
whatever society with Ultraman and Owlman and all uh-huh. that. They did that story, which is a DC multiverse story of right. some sort. Well, I should look for that. I, but like, yeah. imagine if I mean if DC had done a multiverse story and kind of did that mashing and jamming together of different styles, and they could go back to the 30s and the 50s and the 60s, and they could have, you know, done some Darwin Cook here and some Neil Adams there, and they could have just really. Anyway, Marvel did it before then, or Spider Man, Sony did. It. I see what you're saying. I think the problem with the DC ones is that they've they're so locked into Bruce Tim, and Bruce Tim does a lot uh-huh. of adaptation without much right. addition. So like. Flashpoints come up. Um, that story I mentioned. They're, they've done the Darwin Cook uh, New Frontiers story, you right. know, and so they're just adapting that stuff and churning it around. But I don't think. It, but there's not much creativity done with the Darwin Cook thing. For instance, it looks a little bit like Darwin Cook. Yeah, and the one that and they it, strayed the furthest from, which was the Killing Joke, where they had this whole intro added on uh, to it. I haven't watched that. You've watched the Killing Joke, I didn't. Um, there was a huge uproar around that, around uh, you know, because that Killing Joke's already contentious because they were trying to add stuff with Barbara Gordon around it. Uh, it, right. it it didn't play well for people because they didn't watch Batman Beyond and didn't realize that was actually in Timmy Burst continuity, but. Um, <laughs> And that's not to say that they can't like it regardless, but um, I, I don't know. It, it is a different thing. This movie did a lot that was creative and vibrant while paying respect to everything right? and mixing the pot. Whereas you're right. The DC animated stuff is interesting. And it's, I like a lot of them, but they're not. They're, it's decent workmanlike animation. That's a great nothing compared to the creativity creativity inspired by comic books Mm -hmm. that went into this spider-man animated movie which suddenly makes you think or made me think why didn't all these other people think of doing this before but i'm glad i'm glad they thought of it doing it now and i i hope it does influence other movies which is funny to me because i think if you take uh the original batman animated series from a certain viewpoint like that was an amalgamation of a lot of batman stuff coming together True. I, I actually, I mean, that, 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 those Bruce Tim series, I really think are great. It's the, it's the movies more that I don't think are great, maybe. And yeah. I even, you know what I love? I love Batman Brave and the Bold for all its crazy <laughs> visuals, huh. um, which are drawn from the 50s Batman in this weird way. Right. Yeah. With the big square jaw and all. <laughs> Yeah, I think DC, it's funny because DC's been pumping out animated movies for years and basically no one's paid attention. That's for the super fans, you know. They make, they must know each, with each movie, they have a certain budget and they'll make a certain amount of money. Like it must be like clockwork that there's a certain, you know, maybe a million people out there who buy them and that's it. Yeah, because they crank out like three years. So it's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, workmen. Like, like it's that. That's yeah. the best way to describe those. Yeah, they do Barbie movies the same way. Did you realize that there's been like thirty Barbie movies? Only. I just kind of assumed <laughs> there's like this ever growing library of. Every year they put out three new Barbie movies, and uh, I'm sure the same way they can predict exactly how many people will buy the Barbie movies for their 
until that one six, time there's the breakout there's Barbie the movie daughter. that like <laughs> launches it forward. Well, in my past five years of having to watch kids things of the stuff we've watched, I've liked the Barbie movies a lot more than a lot of other stuff. <laughs> so the, like some under under the radar creativity actually went into that. But anyway, huh. that's for another another podcast. All right, <laughs> next time let's talk Barbie. Yes. <laughs> Never stay Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> or did you have any more thoughts? I mean, on the Spider-Verse, or do you feel like we've covered everything you might want to say about it? The one thing that I think could make a really interesting tidbit for when they inevitably do a sequel now, apparently, is that the spider that bit Miles came from a different universe. In this movie? Mm-hmm. Because cool. there, there's this weird like glitch effect that they have for people mm-hmm. that are out of the universe. Oh, you're right. And that spider had that glitch effect applied to and it. And that that spider appears right next door to where the underground chamber where they're doing the experiment with the collider is. Mm-hmm. So it must have come out of a previous experiment that his uncle was probably involved with. And that spider is number 42, which is the same number that bites Miles in the comics. So. Well, for the moment, I'm a Miles Morales fan, which I never thought I would say. There you go. <laughs> Just because I wasn't going to try, even try it. I was going to stick with my uh, John Romita spider. <laughs> it's all about John Romita Jr. I'm, I'm, it's like I'm 10 years younger. 